Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. When I was about 15 years old, a friend of mine invited me to attend his church with him one night for like this week-long evangelistic meeting. They had this guest preacher in town, and I don't know why at 15 that sounded like a good idea to me, but I went with him to his church, and it was a little uh, storefront church in a strip mall. I grew up in Florida, so you could guess there was a strip mall involved in this story somewhere. Um, and it was this little church, and it was, it was a charismatic sort of Pentecostal church. I don't know if you know what that kind of church is or if you grew up in that, but it can be a little different if you're not used to it. And so I went, and uh, they did this, this thing, and there was music playing, and they had this guest preacher, and he was preaching. And so uh, at, at the end of the service, uh, the preacher started doing this thing where people were being slain in the spirit. I don't know if you've ever seen this on TV or if you've ever experienced this. Um, there's actually a history of slain in the spirit. Uh, there's a history of it in a lot of denominations, actually, throughout American history over the last couple hundred years. There's this thing, and if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about, where people come forward and music's playing and people are singing and preachers preaching and all this stuff. And people come forward and he will touch them on the forehead and then people will fall down like a sack of potatoes, just like, boom, they're just on the ground, right? And it's like uh, they are slain, they are like almost killed, but not killed, you know, like you're knocked over because the Spirit of God has come upon you through the touch of this preacher. And so uh, I'm 15 years old, I'm watching this thing happen, and people are singing and all that, and then this, people are coming forward, and this guy's doing this thing. And, and I'm just like, you know, and it's a small church. It's not like a big room like this where you can hide in the dark. It's a small storefront church, so you, you can't hide, right? And so I'm watching this happen, I'm like, Ooh, it's pretty weird, you know, and, 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 and eventually, as music's going, the preacher's kind of looking around, and the preacher and I, like, lock eyes, you know, and, which I didn't want to do, but you can't, you can't hide in a church. I'm not, just so you know, it's dark, y'all. I'm not locking eyes with any of you right now. All right, so he, we lock eyes, and, uh, and, and he gives me this look, like, because other people have been, like, slain in the spirits all happening. He gives me this look, like, you know, do you want to come forward, you know? And I, I was like, I, I sort of gave him like the universal sign of like, heck no, you know, like, I, I'm good, you know, like, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be fine right here, you know, like the music plan, I'm trying to like, and, and so I just stayed put because there was no way I was going up there to be, I don't know, Holy Ghost knocked over by this guy onto the floor. Like, I was not, 15-year-old me was not having it. A uh, 45-year-old me probably wouldn't have it either, to be fair, uh, the, because I, um, I think I approach my faith kind of through the, the intellectual doorways, the pathways. Not to say that I'm not emotional. I do have emotions, um, but, but I, I tend to be, I, I tend to approach things more in the, in the thinking side, not as much of the feeler side, and so uh, this was a different thing for me, and so I, I just, I wasn't going to have it, um, and, and it, was, it was definitely one of those moments in, in church where it's cringeworthy cringeworthy, right? Now, if you, if you grew up charismatic or Pentecostal, you may have had plenty of experiences like that. You're like, yeah, I know what that kind of thing is. If you grew up Baptist, you didn't have experiences like that, and you, were like, and you thought those people were weird, right? If you grew up Catholic, you were like, and this is why we don't leave the Catholic Church, because weird stuff 
like this happen. This is what your mother was warning you about if you left the Catholic churches. Eventually, the seatbelts come off and it gets real weird and cringeworthy. Church is already like that. Church already has things like, you know, drinking the body and the blood of Christ. And we're singing these kind of weird songs to this Jesus guy. And there's just this, and, and in some churches, there's robes and there's incense and bells and smells and all the things, right? And it's, it, it's already a little bit weird, maybe cringeworthy. And then we go and add these extra like things to it, the Holy Spirit stuff that makes it really weird. So I want to talk about that today because it, as, as weird as that kind of thing is, um, I really believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that, that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit, that he uh, lives inside us and that the power of God is real. And that is a real thing in the real world. And I want us to talk about it and, and, and get into it. Um, believing in some of that stuff was a challenge for the church in Corinth. We've been studying through the book of 1 Corinthians this, most of this year. And we're getting towards the end of it here. And Paul's going to give them some instructions about how to function as a church together when they gather and they had some stuff going on, and they had some challenges of, of things uh, to believe in based on their culture in the city of Corinth in, in what is now modern-day Greece. Uh, they, they, they had some struggles. So I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, start with verse 1, and see what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay, he says um, I, about spiritual, uh, basically about these spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uh, uninformed is how he starts. The word gifts in there in, is actually not there in the original Greek. So really what he says is like about the spiritual, I don't want you to be uninformed. Later English translators added the word gifts because they think it helps make sense of all that's gonna come after that. And it does, but what Paul is actually saying is, um, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual realities. There is a spiritual dimension to life and to the world, and I want you to understand it. I want you to, to, to really get it. Um, we, are, we are not just flesh and blood and, and synapses that fire in our brain. We are souls that happen to have bodies. And that means there is a spiritual dimension to us, to people, to, to uh, many things in life. And there are spiritual realities and things that are going on that you won't see with a telescope or a microscope. Things like there are angels, there are angelic beings, there are demons, there is God, there is Satan, there's heaven, there's hell. There's these, these, these different levels of, of existence, this, this different slice of life. And Paul says, I want you to be aware that this stuff is actually out there and it's real and I want you to understand it. In their culture, the, the, these Christians at Corinth were not Jewish. They did not come from the Judeo-Christian or the Judeo mindset of one God and we worship and we follow the laws and all that. They came from a Roman pagan background. And so for the pagan Romans that he refers to, he said, when you followed your pagan gods, um, they would worship mute idols. They would go to worship a statue or in a temple where there's a statue and they would worship there in some way and that would be their spiritual reality. So if you were infertile, that maybe you would go worship the God of fertility. So you'd go into this place and you would say, I'm going to offer this sacrifice to the God of fertility so that I can become fertile. If you, if you had a bad harvest of your crops, you would go worship the God of the crops and you would have this. And so they, they were used to this idea that you go to these different places 
You worship, you say the thing, and you do the thing, and then maybe you get a blessing from that God. Well, when they became Christians, this was a bit of a problem because Christians are out there going, all of those gods are fake. There's nothing to any of that. There's only one true God, and, and we worship him through Jesus, his son, this, this is, and Jesus, God in the flesh. Like, that's the, that's the only God, so all that other stuff is fake. And Paul is pointing this out. He goes, you're, you're, you've been going to, you formerly used to go to these mute idols, these things that don't actually do anything for you, but I need you to know there is true spiritual reality. There is one spirit in you, the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you're going to say Jesus is Lord, it's because you are seeing the reality clearly. And if you're saying Jesus is a curse, then the Spirit of God isn't in you because you wouldn't say that if you really were seeing clearly. And he's trying to point them to this, this reality. There are spiritual realities. God's Spirit is alive in, inside of you. Now, I understand all of that is pretty hard for us to take uh, in, our, in our American culture. Uh, we're so used, we're so, um, how often have you heard follow the science in the last couple of years, right? We're so into that idea. I'm surprised it still says in God we trust on our money, right? I don't know why it doesn't say in science we trust. Like, how come we haven't made that? How come, why is Abraham Lincoln still on the penny? Why isn't it Neil deGrasse Tyson? Like, why don't we just go ahead and make the shift now and say, like, okay, this is what we're all about. And I understand that. I live in that culture, too, um, but I, I, I believe, just as Paul had to remind the church in Corinth, there is a spiritual reality that doesn't line up with the science. It's not, science doesn't really speak to it. Those, those secular ideas don't really get at it very well. Um, there is a, a, a spiritual world, um, and, and we live in it. And I think one of the things Paul's doing here is pushing us against syncretism. He's saying, no, the spirit of you needs to say Jesus is Lord. There's this syncretist idea in the ancient world, and it was very true in our culture too, where we borrow from all sort of religious ideas and bring them all together. So you, it's very common in America to, for people to be sort of into Jesus, but then also some ideas from Islam or maybe uh, Hinduism, or if not Hinduism, at least do some yoga, which has some Hindu overtones to it, you know, and we'll do a little bit of that, and we'll borrow all these ideas um, and bring them together. So we'll have Christianity and karma and other ideas like that. We'll pull it all together in this one, kind of throw it in this American blender, and that becomes like American spirituality, and it's a syncretist idea. You see that a lot in our culture. You see it from people who don't want to commit to a religion. I don't know if it's a commitment issue or they just say oh, religions are bad, it's all rules, but they say, I'm spiritual, not religious, right? You hear that a lot. Uh, most of the people that I've met that claim to be spiritual, not religious, don't have much definition for what that actually means, but it sounds like a good thing to say, like, no, I'm into it, right? And so Paul is saying, no, don't, you know, uh, Jesus is Lord. This is the central thing for us. There's no, there's no place for Christians to be um, syncretists. We're not borrowing from a bunch of things. Our home base is this true God that we know through, through Jesus. That's, that, that's what it's about. So Paul gives them a warning about that. Uh, let's read on verse 4. Now he talks about spiritual gifts. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but, uh, service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I love that this is kind of Trinitarian. He says, there are gifts with the Spirit. There are service with the Lord, Jesus. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God, God the Father. So all that kind of shows up there. And he basically says, Within the church, there's different stuff that we do. Different people have different gifts and service and activity and different, different things that happen in the body of Christ. And all of that is empowered at the end of the day by God, by God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, all of that. Uh, he is at work um, in us. Um, it's a little bit of a, uh, the idea that God empowers all that we do in the church is a little bit of a nebulous concept. 
but we've already actually mentioned it in 1 Corinthians. Way back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said this. Listen to this. He says, And my speech and message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can I just tell you as someone who speaks for a living and who went to Bible college to be trained to do exactly what I'm doing right now, that phrase is, that, that entire couple sentences there is very challenging to me. Paul shows up in Corinth and he goes, I'm not trying to be clever. I just want you to, I, I want your faith not to rest in how clever I am. I want it to rest in the power of, of God. Because I'm like, man, I went to Bible college. All they taught us was how to be clever. Like that's what it was about. Like, here's how you, you, it's how you speak in a compelling way. And Paul's like, I don't want you to, to be hung on me. I want your faith to rest on the power of God because that's a real thing and it's actually going to last when people come and go and people disappoint you. The power of God is, is real. Um, and that's, that's hard for us to swallow. As Americans, we have assumptions about reality and I don't want to get into all of how we got there. That's probably a whole other talk. But we have assumptions about reality. And one of them that we have is that physical reality, the things that we can empirically measure. We can touch, smell, see, hear. These are the real things. And then the other things are less real. Um, they're, they're, it, 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 so when you, say, when you hear something like God's power, that's, that falls into the category of probably not real to us. It's, it's not measurable. It's kind of odd. Um, So when we say God's power, what are we talking about? Well, what the scripture teaches us is that when you get baptized into Christ, you get immersed in water and baptized, you give your life to Christ, a couple things happen. One, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are wiped away. Not that water can can wipe away sins, but there is something going on there that that as you give your life to Christ and you're baptized in faith, your sins are wiped away. Um, And secondly, you get the Holy Spirit to come live inside of you. Okay, this is where it gets weird, okay? The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you when you give your life to him and you're baptized. That's, that's a weird thing to understand. It's a weird thing to um, believe. But the Holy Spirit lives in you and he does a couple things. He convicts you of sin. So he points out, hey, do this, not this, and, and kind of functions in, in your conscience to change you. And he starts to... the. Christian word for this is sanctify. He starts to sanctify you. In other words, he starts to clean you up from the inside out and, and work on changing your life. This is the process of sanctification. This is what the Holy Spirit does inside of you. Convicts you of sin, um, uh, cleanses your conscience, and then sanctifies you. And the Holy Spirit also gives you spiritual gifts. Well, that sounds cool. Who doesn't love gifts? This will be great. The Holy Spirit gives you some spiritual gifts. Listen to the way Paul says it uh, in 1 Corinthians. But again, this is where it gets weird. 1 Corinthians 12, listen to what he says. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so 
Paul gives one list, and there's more than one in the New Testament. It's not meant to be exhaustive, but he gives us one list of the kind of spirit and the kind of spiritual gifts that the Spirit of God inside you gives you, meaning that at one point you didn't necessarily have these things, and then the Spirit of God comes inside you, and you are given these things. It's not... It's not always like a, a light bulb one day, it's exactly like this, I had nothing and now I'm, I can do all these things. Like sometimes there has been experiences that people have like that, but just the general idea that the Spirit of God inside you gives, the, gives you these gifts. Now what are they? Um, there's a bunch of stuff listed in there and some of it is really weird, okay? Let me, let me start with an easy one. Um, he says, the utterance of wisdom. To some, that by the Spirit of God they're given the utterance of wisdom. So there are people, and maybe you've known this, there are people that have a lot of godly wisdom, that they, they just understand God and they understand the scripture and they understand what to, to do with it. Um, and, and honestly, the older I get, the more I value people who have wisdom. Not just knowledge. Knowledge, there, there's a lot of that out there. Uh, wisdom can be kind of next level because wisdom is like, I have knowledge, but I actually, I actually know what to do with it. I know the time that we're living in. I know what the scripture is trying to get me to do, and I know how to walk in a wise way. Some people are extra great at this. I was very fortunate from probably age 15 to about 30 to have a lot of older, wiser men and women in my life who, who they just had it. They had wisdom. Um, and God had given it to them, and they were able to dispense it in a way I could understand. And it, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, this is God's gift to some people. Not everybody is like that. Um, and I used to think, well, you know, as we get older, we all get wise. Not everybody. Not everybody, right? Do you know some older people that are still pretty unwise? Right? And you're like, how can you do that? I thought, you know, you just see some people, maybe you'll see them at Thanksgiving, you know, you'll see some people and you're just like, you know, and they, maybe they have decades on you and you're like, I thought it was going to be better when I got there, <laughs> but you're still doing that. You're still being this way. You're still unwise. So it's not a guarantee. So I, I think God gives to some people this, this, uh, this ability, this utterance of wisdom. And there's another one in there. He mentions the utterance of knowledge. There are people that through God's spirit can really bring knowledge to a situation, not just wisdom, who can really have a gift to understand things and, and, and really know the ins and outs of something, especially with the scripture. Now, you might go, there's nothing supernatural about that. We all know people who are super brainy, smart, eggheads, bookworms, whatever you want to call them. We all know people that are just real smart. Yeah, but with the, especially when you talk about with the scripture, there, there are some people that are extra with that and they, and they just get it and they can look at it from all the angles and they're skilled at bringing, utterating the knowledge. They're skilled at bringing it out to you. And I love to hear from teachers who are good at this, who are like, man, they get it and they understand things and they have this knowledge and they just, they're just this wealth of knowledge. Sometimes God pours his spirit out on people and gives them that um, it, and it, and it, there's something about it that it's more than just, oh, I've studied a lot. Um, it, there, there's something there. Now, you may hear those, for example, and think, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Like, if God's spirit gives that, it, it's, it's unimpressive. Like, I, I, I want my spiritual gifts to be, like, to blow me away, to be like, oh, you know, the slain in the spirit thing. Like, you touch someone and they went down like a sack of potatoes. That's incredible, or whatever. Like, this sounds very non-powerful, 
this, some of these things sound kind of regular, but the truth is, I think there is a sense in which God's Spirit is at work in those things too. Um, and, and a lot of times, um, God's Spirit at work will be understated. It's, it's not necessarily going to blow you away. Not every gift that people have will blow you away. Our culture <clears throat> tends to overemphasize the gifts that are impressive. So it, in American culture, for example, in churches, we emphasize the gifts that people have that, that we don't have or that are, look great or sound great. So people who can speak really well, okay, we love that. People who can sing really well, we love that. People who can play an instrument really well, we love that. Those are gifts that people have. And those are the things we emphasize. Oh, man, you guys are great. I'm going to applaud. I'm going to put you on a stage. I'm gonna... That's the stuff we tend to emphasize. But the truth is, just because someone's on a platform, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make that gift better than another. In fact, I would, I would argue that in the history of history, the kingdom of God has not been built by platform people. The kingdom of God has been built by regular people using their gifts from God to serve the body. I thought, well, maybe one day I'll get to heaven and I'll go there and I'm going to meet like Billy Graham. And I bet Billy Graham gets like an awesome house in heaven and like a really good seat. Doesn't he sit basically next to Jesus? Man, I don't think it's going to be like that. That's a platform person. Uh, no disrespect at all. He's in, incredible things. But there are people you haven't even heard of. There's faithful saints who prayed quietly for your soul day after day. And, and they're using their gifts of, of, of faith. And, and, and God uses them. And there's, so there, there's a lot of, of, of God's power at work um, in ways that, that we don't put up on platforms, but it's still real and it's still happening. And it's a powerful thing. If you read a lot of the things we just read in that list, once you get past wisdom and knowledge and those kind of things, there's gifts mentioned there to some are given the gift of faith. Well, we're all supposed to have faith, but some people are extra faithful, right? They just seem to have it. Um, and there's things like the, the, the gift of healing, that people could heal other people, that uh, there's tongues, the gift of tongues, these gifts of prophecy. This is where it gets really weird, right? This is like Holy Ghost kind of odd stuff. Um, I'll, I'll get into that, okay? We'll do that in two weeks from now. Um, so I, I, we'll, come, we'll come back to that idea of what some of those things are. But for the, from now, um, I want to just think big picture. Why does the Spirit of God give us these gifts at all? And it's in the verse I skipped over. Verse 7, it says this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. So God doesn't hand you a gift. His Spirit does not come inside you and give you this gift so that you can keep it to yourself or use it just for yourself. The point is always to build up the body, to build up the community. That's, that's why he gives these things to us, for the common good where every part does its work. He actually is going to go, for the rest of the chapter, goes into this long thing about how the church is like a physical body with a hand and a feet and, and that kind of thing. Um, I'll read you just a little piece of it. Verse 12, he says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Yeah, so he, he likens it to a body and says, we're all part of this one thing. 
in the church. We're all part of this one body. Yes, there's a lot of members to it, a lot of members to the church, a lot of parts, and, and we all do some different things, but we're all in this thing together, and we're all energized by God's Spirit. Um, and, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Just like in a physical body, there are parts of the body that do some things that other parts can't do, right? If you've ever, you know, if you want to pick something up off the floor, your hand is the best for it. Using your foot to pick something up off the floor, not as good, right? It's not as well set up for that. Um, that that's the way the body works. If your hands isn't very good at talking, right? The mouth does that. Your mouth isn't good at listening. The ears do that. I mean, everything's got its place and its part. And if the body's out of whack, you know, we, we notice it. You, if your body had four feet, that's not useful. If you had feet at the end of your hands, that would be problematic, right? There needs to be a balance to it where every part is doing its work. And if parts aren't functioning correctly, you notice that too, except for like the spleen. Does anyone know what that thing does? A gallbladder? I don't know. I think those things don't do anything. One of those things where they cut them out and they're like, I don't know what that was for. I don't know. We just took it out. I guess we have a couple of those. But for the most part, if you're missing something, your hearing, your, your mouth, your smell, your hands, your feet, whatever, like it affects you and it affects the whole body. The body's not as good without the mouth. The body's not as good without the feet. Like it affects everything. If the lungs go, oxygen struggles in, in the entire body. Like we all pay the price when the body is not functioning, uh, when, when the body's not functioning well. And so I, w- I want to say as a church, I think that is true. If you're part of the church, use the gifts God has given you to serve the body, to, to reach the community, yes, and, and also to serve the body here within the church. Use what God has given you and leverage that for the good, not just for your own good, but for the common good, for the good of, of all the, of the people here. Um, I, 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 think, I think this is true when we have a community like this and there are people that are part of it who don't serve and don't get involved, I think it hurts the whole community. And I understand why people don't serve and get involved in a church. Um, one church might freak them out, um, and I get that, and maybe they're just, maybe just say like, I'm just going to hang in the shadows, I do not want to get involved, don't ask me to do anything, I'm just going to maybe show up and then leave quietly. I understand that we can be like that for a while. Um, and I also understand when, when you ask people to serve and get involved in the church, or you know, serve in children's ministry, or volunteer with students, or you know, get in the tech team, or with the worship band, or the coffee, or something. Like we ask people to get involved, lead a small group, serve in, in, in that capacity, uh, serve on our engaged team, and, and, and find ways to engage the city. When we ask people to serve in all these things, oftentimes what you hear is, I'd like to, but I'm too busy. Um, and then it'll be why people are too busy. I'm um, dating a lot and want to get married. I'm planning a wedding. I'm recently married. I'm about to have a kid. I just had a kid. My kids are at this age. Now they're at this age. They're really busy. I'm an empty nester. I'm traveling a lot. I'm so busy. I got, add in grad school and caring for aging parents and um, the dog needs veterinary help. And there's just a lot of things. And I don't want to be insensitive to that because I get that. And I've probably at some point in my life said all of those things. But I don't know if this is wisdom from the Lord. This is what I've learned. All of those things are always going to be true forever until you die. Like, it just doesn't stop. There's no, there's no point. It, it's like, it, yeah, it's just a lot right now. I, I would serve. I would get involved. But I can't right now. It'll get easier in a month, six months, a year from now. It doesn't. It just becomes different busy. 
It's just a different set of things that are, that are calling for your attention. So I just, I want to challenge that, to, to, to step up um, and, 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 and serve in, in, in the body. Um, if you wait to when things are going to slow down, things just never will. And this is important. I, I think the church in Corinth needed this reminder, and I think we need it too. Um, we need people to step up and, and serve. You know, in America, I think in the last 50 years, um, churches were able to grow and reach new people through marketing and really good music or decent music, um, good teaching, you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, video, television, the internet. Um, there were all these tools available, and churches were able to meet people and connect and, 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 and help them grow. Um, and, I, and I don't know that it, that'll necessarily be the case going forward. I, I think things are shifting there, and I think some of those days are over. I think what is going to actually last in churches is real discipleship to Jesus that actually transforms people. That you come and you get involved and you are changed. And Jesus does a work in your life and his power shows up and infuses you with power and you are different. That's what, that's what lasts. That's what transforms people. My home church um, in Florida that I grew up in and came to Christ in, it was not impressive. Um, the music was not good. Uh, and I know that because they let me lead it <laughs> when I was a teenager. You know, so it, it wasn't great. Um, it was cringeworthy at times. Cheesy. Like, not quite Lawrence Welk cheesy, but close. Had some moments. Um, and... Uh, and, and somehow, that God got a hold of me there as a fifth grader walking into that church. It wasn't flashy. I wasn't, I, I didn't, they, they didn't get a, God didn't get a hold of me with all the impressive things. It was all the unimpressive things. It was regular people using their gifts. It was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher who showed up every week and taught me about the Bible and, and how she has since told me that I wasn't a very good listener. Um, but she was faithful and showed up, and, and I learned from her. It was the, the youth leaders in the youth group in middle school and high school who showed up every week and poured into me. It was the elder of the church who, when I was 13 years old, would come over my house after school one day a week, and he would sit down and he would teach me the Bible. It's weird. It's weird to think about that that's the way it went, but that's the way it went. And this is not flashy. It was not impressive. There's nothing about the church that would wow you. This is regular people being faithful and showing up and using the gifts that God has given them. Unimpressive. Uh, these are not platform gifts. Just regular people showing up and, and speaking and, and leading. And, and they helped reach uh, a, a nerdy kid like me and a single mom. And, and helped us get involved in the church. And that's my hope for this church, honestly. I mean, I, there's things I love about Carytown, Richmond. Uh, I mean, I love this room. Uh, what an incredible place for a church to be able to meet. 
Um, and I think about it, I was in Nashville this week, and they've got massive churches like every block. Uh, I was in like Brentwood, if you've ever been in the area. It's, it's weird. Um, but I wouldn't trade any of that for this. Like I, I just, I love that we get to be here. I love 2810, that faithful people in this church sacrificed and we were able to purchase property and renovate it and we're now able to leverage that space to reach the community and do things. I love all that. I love this walkable neighborhood here in the weirdest part of town. I just, I love that we get to be in, in and do all of this. And I love that there are people who invest in A10 Kids right now and there's good leadership there and there's good leadership with the worship band and there are, there's some really great things going on here in the church. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what it, what, it, what it needs is regular people using their regular talents that have been infused by the power of God and stepping up and using them for the common good. It's not just a wow building or a whatever. It is, it is just all of us coming together and, and trying to spur one another on towards maturity and discipleship in, in, in Christ. So this is it then. Next steps for you. Here's some next steps. One, I would, I would suggest this. Um, think about what we just talked about. Think about the spiritual gifts. Maybe go back and read that in 1 Corinthians 12. Read the whole chapter. What are the gifts maybe that God has laid on your heart? Where, what, what has he done for you? Maybe his spirit has, has ignited something in you. And, I, and on Tuesday this week, we're going to post something online. We're going to post like a spiritual gifts test that you can take. Um, it's not perfect, um, but it will be useful to you. Take that test and go, okay, maybe these are some ways that God has gifted me. This is maybe some evidence of God's power in my life in, in these areas. Take that test, um, and then we, we can help you if you want to get involved by your, by your gifting, you know, what, 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 you have, uh, what God has done in you. Um, we'll, help you uh, we'll help you get plugged in. Um, so, Last thing, I was, I was thinking about um, cringeworthy, and um, I thought about um, how beautiful it is when people use their gifts well and in the right context, and how bad it is when they don't. Um, for me, when I think of TV shows, and I think of cringeworthy, The Office is kind of the obvious one, um, and that's so cringy that I don't watch it. I'm, I'm just not that guy that watches The Office, so I'm not going to make all the jokes about assistant to the regional manager and all that. Um, but uh, I, it made me think of, because um, I don't like super cringy humor, but it, it made me think of um, American Idol and how, which I, I didn't watch a bunch, but um, I remember especially in the early days of that show, um, you know, in the first couple episodes, they will have people come in and sing, and um, some of them are just terrible terrible singers and um and you're just and it's you cringe right you're just like oh oh this hurts me right um and then they get obliterated by simon cowell and other people or whatever back in the day and so it's it, uh but what i what i thought about that when you see people sing so terribly and and get on american idol um is well one of the things i think about is what a failure of community that is that you could actually get up there and think you're good. Because um, I, I imagine your mom told you you're good, but why didn't you have one friend? One friend who was like, you know what? 
I don't think this is your thing, bro. You're just not that good of a singer. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Where was that one friend, right? Like, what a failure of community. But also, it just made me think, like, yo, it's, it is almost physically painful when people um, go ahead and try to function in the area they're not gifted in. It's awful. But by the end of that show, when you hear people who are functioning in an area where they're gifted, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And I think that way about the church. Man, no, you know, is someone gifted to hand out a program at church or to hand out a Try 5 card or gifted to make, I don't know, coffee? Maybe not. I, I appreciate that people step up and do what needs to be done, period, no matter what the job is. But, but if we can help people function in their area of giftedness, and it is a beautiful thing to see people do what they're good at and see them come alive and see how much it serves the common good. So I just want to challenge you to be part of that. Um, if you can't sing, I'm not going to put a mic in your hand. Um, but, I, but I do want to know what you're great at or what God, has, what God is doing in your life. And, and I want to encourage you and fan that flame and, and, and kind of help you do that, whatever that is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the giftings of the Spirit that he is alive and at work in us, that he changes us, that he works on our conscience, that he sanctifies us, and, then he, and that he gives us good gifts. God, may we use those gifts for the body. Right now, God, if we have hesitation to that or reluctance to step up, to make ourselves known, to make our voices heard and say, okay, I, I, I'm, I think I might have gifting here. How can, I, how can I be of service? I pray we will push through with courage and really step up and, and serve and, and lead here in the body. God, we are a better community when the team all comes together and, and people are doing things um, according to how you made them. God, thank you so much for gifting this community. Um, may we leverage it to serve one another and to reach um, a lost and hurting world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.